Welcome to the You Need More Money podcast. I'm your host, Matt Monero. I come to you every week from our studios in Dallas, Texas. I want to give a big shout out to the people who have been leaving us reviews. Thank you for those reviews. We watch them grow, but we need more. So if you like the podcast, if you're learning from the podcast, do us a favor. Just stop, take a minute, leave us a review. On today's podcast, I'm in the studio with Preston and Z. Preston is with me on the mic. And Z is working behind the cameras. By the way, you can watch these podcasts on YouTube if you want. Go to the Matt Monero channel. Just type in You Need More Money and the episodes show up. We're doing a live Q&A here. We got Facebook running as well. If anybody has any business questions, they'll fire up on Facebook. And then we've recorded. Preston, how many questions do we have? We have seven. So we got seven questions from people that have come in in the last couple of days on social, all platforms, Instagram, Matt Monero. Facebook, Matt Monero fan page, Twitter, Matt Monero, whatever. It's Matt Monero, wherever you want to get it. You guys can always fire up these questions. I mean, I was with my kids in Baltimore this weekend banging out lacrosse tournaments, and I was answering questions on social from people. So fire the questions, man. I love it. This stuff is fuel. And I got a lot of experience that I think I can help people with. I think people don't have to take as long as I have to have had the success that I've had. I think I took too long. long. I, by the way, this is November, isn't it? Yeah. And November is the start of our 23rd year in business. Oh, wow. And I didn't need to wait 23 years. I could have done it in 13 years. I wasted a decade. So you don't need to waste a decade. So Preston, let's get started. You just rapid fire the questions as you see fit. And let's get going. Uh, the first one is from Shana. How do I start a business? How do I start a business is Chena's question. That's right. Well, I would say to Chena, or maybe it's China, maybe. I'm not sure. How do you start a business? I mean, if you got to ask, how do you start a business? That's probably not the best first question. I mean, would you agree with that, Preston? We're probably already off to a bad start. Probably, yeah. Probably should have more ideas. Yeah, and, and you know, the problem with these social media questions, too, is we don't always have the appropriate data to understand the question or maybe even give the best answer. But listen, for for China or, or for China, here, I imagine it's a gal, right? Uh, it, it looks like it. I think it's a gal. It's got an A at the end. Most of those are gals. So, I mean, the first thing you have to do, China, is you got to go work for somebody else. You got to go figure out what industry you might want to learn about. And you need to go get a job in that industry before you ask, how do I start a business? You need to figure out what kind of business you want to start. So the first thing you got to do is go work for somebody in an industry that you think you might want to work in. Try to get good at that and see if there's a problem that you can go ahead and solve in that industry, which then maybe triggers you being in business for yourself. I mean, as far as the fundamentals about how you start a business, the reality is you start with clients. Who's going to pay you the revenue? Who's going to pay the bills? You need one or two clients. You can get those clients when you're working for somebody else, not steal them from the from the company you're working for, but you can go start a side gig on the nights, on the weekends, and start picking up a little bit of rev gen. And then, I mean, the truly, the technical things are super easy. I mean, go to the company corporation, file your corporation papers, um, get your business cards ordered. Although I think that's all silly, right? Build your website, get your website up. I mean, get yourself in a position that you look like a larger company. Even if you're a one-person company, get yourself in a position where you look like a larger company. But the first thing you got to do before you start your business, you got to have some idea of what that business is going to look like, what it's going to be, 
what problem it solves, and someone else should pay you to learn. That's how I would suggest to China. Don't. It's a bad question in the first place. How do I start a business? Second component is you better have a very clear idea of what that business exists for and why it should be started in the first place. What else you got? I have a question here from Lee. I have a successful business, but I have an opportunity to make a big move. It will take most of my cash. Should I make the move? So I I know Lee, and he, Lee and I had a follow up phone call regarding this question to get more data to help him under, to help me understand how he really needs. But Lee has a successful business. He's a roofer. He's got a successful business right now. And this opportunity is he has the ability to go into Florida and do all these uh, roofing repair jobs from, from all the storms in Florida. And as he's doing these jobs, and his company may double in size, and it's not a small company right now. You could be talking about $20 million a year business. Um, he's got this opportunity to buy this material, this roofing material at a deep discount. But in order to buy the roofing material, it's going to burn up all his cash. It's a big, big purchase. In fact, he's got to go and get some investors for it. But he thinks he can buy the material at 50 cents on the dollar, but then he's got to store the material. Then he's got to figure out how is he going to get the material delivered to the job sites. And um, he thinks he may end up going into the material handling delivery business of this stuff. And so what Lee and I talked about was, um, number one, can you use this material in your jobs? Right? In other words, can you, can you sell this material to yourself, right? The answer was yes, he can. He can burn through it. That's a good thing. That means you don't have to have a sales force going out to hawk this material. You can just have your internal sales force do it. The second thing was, is it a one-shot wonder? I mean, once you burn through that material, how do you go about getting order number two and order number three of inventory, and he said, well, that would be based on relationships with manufacturers. And I said, but you wouldn't get that relationship at the same discount, right? It's a one-shot deal at 50 cents on the dollar. And he said, yes. And my response to Lee was, I think you have to make this purchase. I think you've got to scrimp and scratch and save to do this deal because it will increase your profit margins by a minimum of 50%, right? You can deploy the material to your existing team in the field, it hedges you against delivery delays because one of the biggest problems with these storms is that the manufacturers begin to literally run out of material. And so as Lee's team is selling more jobs, there becomes a problem that their, their, their team can't get the material to deliver on the jobs. So it does fix that problem. But I highly suggested that he did the deal, does the deal, but that he doesn't go into that business. Just grow the roofing business, man. Go from $20 million to $30 million to $40 million. Buy your material from the existing manufacturers. I don't think it's something that he should go into because after this first round of 50% discount, Lee says he'd be in about a 15% discount range. So it would increase his profitability, but he has a completely different business. So I suggested scrimp and save, do this deal. Don't go into business long-term doing manufacturing uh, or distribution of manufacturing products, roofing products. And just stick to your knit. But do the deal. Make the big hit. Gotcha. The uh, next question is from Steve. I have three businesses, but I need more money. What should I do? Steve has three businesses, but he needs more money. The first thing Steve should understand is that one or two of those other businesses are probably not real businesses. I mean, if he needs more money 
and he has three businesses. The businesses aren't throwing off enough money, right? So what I would suggest to Steve, is that his name, Steve? Steve. Is figure out which of those three businesses is making you the most money. And then stop the distraction of the other two businesses. Look, we've done that many times in our 20, now three years in business, where we have started these other small companies. I remember we got into the data reselling business, right? We had this wholesaler who was selling us data lists dirt cheap. We were buying tens of millions of data pieces, dumping them into our servers, and we had the ability to disseminate great quality leads to our guys. And I said, well, let's go into the data business, right? Boom, we set the website up, we hire people, we're now in the data business reselling this data that we bought, only to find out that the dealers didn't want to pay for the data, the customers didn't want to buy the data. The biggest question people asked us was, well, who's going to call into the data? And I'm like, well, you're existing Salesforce. And they're like, yeah, but those guys suck. I don't want to pay for new leads for those guys. They got to figure it out. I'm like, I, yeah, this is too much of a problem for me to solve, right? We And so we killed the business. You got to kill some of those businesses, Steve. I don't think three businesses, unless they are connected in the appropriate channel. So, for example, at Commercial Fleet, our, our sub-businesses are all connected to the transportation finance industry, whether it's our dealership, whether it's our subprime program, whether it's our auction business, whether it's our credit repair business. All of those are connected to the primary goose that lays the golden egg, which is Commercial Fleet. They feed off of each other. But none of those businesses are great businesses in their own right. But they're good businesses, decent businesses in connection to the primary business. So I would say, Steve, those businesses obviously aren't doing what you need them to do. And it's probably because you're distracted and those other businesses are becoming low value activities instead of high value activities. So focus on the one business, drill down, be an expert, grow it, build the one business that has the best chance and kill the other two. All right. The next question is from Terry. I want to make more money, but I can't make less money because of my family. So Terry is in the quandary that everybody's in, right? I mean, I know I need to make more money, but I need the money I have right now to live on. So what am I going to do? How do I make the move? I mean, I can't take a step back to take two steps forward is kind of the thing because this step back is going to make my lifestyle crimp going to make my spouse unhappy. It's going to make me less money. Man, that's what you got to do. You got to take a step back to take two steps forward. I use the example of Sean in our office. Sean was a very successful finance guy in the car business, $150,000 a year guy. Sean and his wife have a baby and he quickly begins to realize that the car business is not going to allow him to coach his kid's soccer, that the car business doesn't care that the birthday party is on a Saturday. The car business wants you selling cars. And so Sean said, you guys never work on weekends, do you? And I go, well, not technically. I mean, we all work on weekends. And you may have to work on weekends, too, to get it going, but probably for only about six months. And so Sean decided to come on board with us. And Sean did take a pay cut. That first six months, he probably made half of what he was making. And he was burning through some of his savings until we were able to adjust what he was doing. He was able to adjust. And I think he equaled his same income in the first year, doubled it in the second, tripled it in the third, and this year we'll probably make a half a million bucks. We'll never miss a kid's soccer game. We'll never miss uh, a birthday party. We'll never be exhausted on Friday, so he has to just sleep on Saturday. I mean, 
you got to take a step back to take two steps forwards. That's really how you determine whether you can make more money. Do you have the guts to do that? A leap of faith. It's a leap of faith based on your skill set, based on the new platform, based on the trust of the organization that you go to, the proof that someone in that organization is making the money you want. It's all of that stuff. But yeah, you may have to take a six-month pay cut. Why do you think so many girls end up working as strippers for their whole life? Because they make 400 bucks a night, whatever they make, 405. Why do guys, why do people work as bartenders forever, right? Maybe they should have been dentists. They should have been doctors. They should have been lawyers. But they were making three or 400 bucks a night in tips in their 20s, and they couldn't get away with giving up that two or 300 bucks a night in tips to go back to law school to make a million dollars a year as a lawyer. So they get stuck tending bar or, you know, swinging on a pole. You have to be willing to take a step back, take two steps forwards. The key in that is never to live overly above your means. You should always live slightly below your means from an operating expense standpoint, right? You should always be able to, like, like the house I live in, um, you know, I could afford it forever. There's no challenge with that, right? That's why I bought that house. So I could take a step backwards, take two steps forwards. And we've done it multiple times since we bought that house 11 years ago. Is it the nicest house in the, in the town? No. Is it a nice house? Hell yeah. But it's not my dream house. But that house is security for my wife. She cares about knowing that no one's ever going to take the house from her, right? In order for me to deliver that security to her, it can't be a $2 million house. I need it to just be like, like the house doesn't even matter. Do you know what I mean? It, those are the ways you need to live your life so you can roll the dice. Uh Number five is from Rudy. How do I make a business? How do I make a business? How do I make a business? Come on, Rudy. How do I make a business? I'm not even going to answer that. What do you mean make a business? I don't even know what that means. Bye, Rudy. Uh, number number six from Hayden. Uh, how do you handle your employees hearing your message and talk about big money aspirations? if they will most likely never earn big money in the role they have in your company. Oh, that's strong. In other words, the leader the leader is sharing his or her goals with the team, their dreams, their ambitions, but the leader doesn't believe that the people are going on board necessarily with it because they can't make the same amount of money. Is that kind of what you think he's saying there? Uh, I, I think he's saying that, uh, you know, sometimes – we're talking about big money, big goals, uh, and and perhaps some of the people in the company aren't making that kind of money here. How do you deal with that? So everybody in the organization needs to have an opportunity to make this the uh, the amount of money that somebody else is making in the organization, right? I mean, you know, if you're the owner of the company and nobody has a chance to make the amount of money that you make, that to me is a problem. If you've got some salespeople who are making gobs and gobs of money, but nobody else can be a salesperson, I think that's a problem. So, I mean, I can answer it in our office. We've had a number of people who have started in operations and have moved into sales roles. Kendra is a perfect example. She started in our operations department. I don't remember exactly how long she worked there, maybe a year. And in processing loans and deals, she began to see that our sales guys make more money than she makes. And she was like, I kind of want a piece of that. What do we have to do? We built her a roadmap to move into sales. And now she's been in sales three years and doing fantastically well. Um, so, so... Hayden, I think everybody in your organization needs to understand that they have the opportunity to move into a different department to be able to make more money. 
The problem with that, though, is most people won't literally do that. But that is irrelevant. The company has to offer that opportunity up to everybody. And so everybody here knows that. And by the way, in our studio today with Preston and Z, both of you guys can make more money if you want to go into sales. If you want to be finance experts, you can't. The choice is whether or not you you will or not, right? And the choice is if you did, would you be good at that? Because we have another guy who started in operations and moved into sales and didn't do well. In fact, no longer with the company. He left on his own. He liked the operations side, was lured by the money, went into sales, and realized he couldn't handle it. Now, we didn't let him go. We would have put him back in operations, but he actually left the company. We left on good terms, but it wasn't for him. I have another person. This is an interesting thing. I have another person who got hired as a salesperson, and she started killing it, like killing her monthly number, and then she resigned. And I said, why are you leaving? You're just hitting these great numbers. It's the money starting to roll in for you. And she said, because I've realized that the work, the pressure, the stress that it will take for me to continue to operate at this pace is not what I want for my life. That was the first time I'd ever heard someone say that to me. I figured everybody wanted more. And that was the first time it really opened my eyes to the fact that um, even though somebody can do it, which is hard enough to find somebody who can do it, not everybody wants to operate at that pace, at that energy, that frequency. So, Hayden, give everybody in your organization the opportunity to make the amount of money that other people make, and then also recognize that just because you've done that doesn't mean everyone is capable of doing it or that everybody wants it, and do not hold that against them. Allow people to be happy where they are. Don't be judgmental of the fact that they don't want what you want. Number seven from uh, from Sean, or maybe Sean, I don't know, uh, or Shun. Uh, what keeps you motivated? What keeps me motivated? Uh, it's a simple thing. It starts with my desire to make sure that my family is protected, safe, secure, flows down into the same for my employee base. I want to make sure that the people that work for this company can always count on their paychecks clearing, and they always can. In 23 years in business, we've never bounced a paycheck, never missed a payroll, and we pay every Friday in here. Now, I've missed a lot of payrolls, but nobody who works for me has. And then I think the last thing, which is really uh, a real driver for me in motivation, is I want to reach my potential. I just know that I'm capable of more. And I don't want to be satisfied. And I want to push. And I want to achieve more. And I want to make more money. And I want to help more people. And I want to do different things. And the problem with potential, though, y'all, is the only thing you realize when you tap into your potential is that you got more potential. There is no finish line with potential, right? It's it's a scary thing, actually. When you really start to tap your potential, the only thing you realize is that you have more potential. It's like, wow, I achieved that. Well, then maybe I can go to the next level and to the next level. Even that billionaire guy that I know, I mean, his his biggest concern in his life is, can I do it again? Can he make another billion? Amazing, isn't it? I mean, the only thing you realize is when you tap your potential is that you got more potential. We got any more questions, buddy? That, that is it. How about you, man? Any questions in your side business with Sim Panel? How are things going with Sim Panel? Caught me off guard. Um, I have, yeah, I, I'm kind of at a, at a moment here where, where we're getting started uh, and we're about to build the first the first home using this product. 
that we've invented. Yeah. And it's, we're pretty sure we've worked out all the kinks. It's good. Uh, and we could start pushing it publicly, but we're, I'm kind of, I'm kind of scared of that jump, you know, because, because it's a huge risk. I, I think we pushed something out a video for, for a day and we immediately had, you know, 40 comments, 50 comments, uh, in an hour or two and, and I took it down, you know, and at that time it was because, uh, we hadn't filed the patents. We had, yeah. yeah so it was, we had to take it down. We did everything properly, you know, tied our laces. Uh, and now I could, I could go out with it. Uh, but I'm kind of worried about pushing it. So I've just kind of left it in the back burner, haven't spent a single dollar promoting it. It's just, it's just there. So I think what you're looking for is reassurance from someone else that you should go for it, right? Isn't that the challenge that, that we end up having to think that we have to figure out all the answers on our own? And what I would tell you, and I've told you from the beginning, just for the audience as a reminder, Preston has invented this building material, these, these very um, quickly manuf- quickly installed building panels and Preston, how long does it change the build of a house? It, it- oh, it's night and day. You can finish now all of the walls of a house, not the roof, all the walls, uh, one to two days, mm-hmm. two to three guys. Mm-hmm. Two to three guys and not overly skilled guys either. Not overly skilled. And, and these, these panels, it's all in one. You have the framing and it's steel framing. Uh, you have the insulation, you have the sheathing, you have the drywall, all covered in one step. Yeah, it's it's really an unbelievable product. And so what you're looking for is someone to help prod you along and say it's go time. And that's the problem. Most of us are, we're always saying, oh, I need my business cards. I need to change my logo. Oh, the website needs a few tweaks, right? You know, the signage really should be different. And what if we painted that wall? No one cares. Sooner or later, it does become go time. And I think with your business, Maybe not go time this week or next week, but certainly once you get that first model home done, and you said that's going to be done by the end of the year, right? End of the year. I think once that model home is done, it's unbridled ambition, it's blinders off, it's full throttle on all of it. And that will create problems. There will be issues. You will have some haters on it. You will have dissension. It doesn't matter. It's go time at some point. And when I look at your business, to me, it's it's massive go time as soon as that first model home is done. And so for you, it's less than two months, my man. Two months? You know, it's a pretty exciting time. Yeah. But you have a business unlike so many other businesses. Yours has real legs because it's it's unique and it solves a major problem, which is labor for home building. Oh, in addition to that, it's it's uh, mold, mold resistant, water resistant, fire resistant. Um, and it costs the same and could cost less than standard construction. So, you know. But it has to be less, right, because of the time. Oh, totally. The, the time is where the savings are. Mm-hmm. Uh, you pay a little bit more on materials, but then you pick it up in labor. Way less in time. Very, so much less in time. Uh, it would be hard to beat. Mm. I, think it, I think it has tremendous legs. So my suggestion to you on that is, it's go time as soon as that first model home is built. And so, you know, once you pick that goal, uh, by the end of the year, the model home is built, then all you got to do is hang on for the ride, right? It's full throttle at that point. And that's the challenge, man. I think most of us uh, don't really understand that full throttle is the only way to play. This back and forth, this, this you know, full RPM, low RPM, full RPM, low RPM, it's dangerous. It's more dangerous to play in that mode than it is to play full throttle. 
So that's what I would no say taking. to you, buddy. But I know that that I know that business is going to work. I think we're going to do it. We're going to go for it. I really do. All right, y'all. Again, thanks for jumping on. Hope these questions were good. Again, mattmonero.com. Um, if you uh, want to learn more about me, subscribe to the podcast as you already have. Review the podcast because we love it. Follow me on social at Matt Monero, wherever you want. Check out the video version of the podcast on YouTube at Matt Monero, or just type in, you need more money. And uh, we'll see you down the road. Rudy, we miss you. Wish you were here, Rudy. Thanks, everybody, on Facebook. If you have any other questions, just pop them on. Don't be afraid to reach out anytime you want to uh, get me at Matt Monero on Instagram, on Twitter, Facebook, whatever. And we'll see you guys down the road. That's our episode this week with your host, Matt Monero. Check us out every Friday at 12 p.m. Central as we discuss money, your life, and how you need more money.